McNulty's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good change by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bobby fans, and welcome to the PO4 Cast episode 29. Well, first of all, sorry this is coming to you so late on a, either a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Um, I've actually had a bit of a cold, well, a massive cold, so I couldn't really talk very well, but we're back now, and uh, joining me on the show now is Andy Mitchamore. Andy's one of the admins and helps run the popular Frat and Faithful Facebook group. Uh, go check that out if you haven't seen the page already. It's got about 16,000 plus followers. Uh, it's really, really good content on there and real top lad for doing it. So I'm really excited to have Andy on the show to help me preview the Checker Trade Trophy final uh, as well as do all the round I usually do. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy and here's my conversation with Andy. Well, it's a big game coming up. It's the, the massive game even at the Checker Trade Trophy final, Sunderland on Sunday. And with me today, I've got Andy Mitchamore. Andy. Hello, it's How good to be you? here. Thank you for having me here. I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Mate, I'm awesome. To be honest, as I said on, on Twitter, I had the, a serious case of the man flu. So um, I've just about recovered enough to uh, to do this podcast for you guys. So um, yeah, I'm up for it. Yeah, just the 24 hours later than normal, but yeah, glad yeah. you're better. Yeah, indeed. And, and also, I suppose uh, it's better because there's a day later, so that's my excuse. It's a day closer to the, the final anyway. Yeah, that's it. Or, Even or more maybe, up to date. Yeah, or the game's on a Sunday rather than a Saturday, so I'm just rolling with that. <laughs> like it. <laughs> okay, guys, so coming up in part one, we're going to review the Shrewsbury game. Uh, in part two, we're going to go and do Around the League and discuss the promotion hunt and the playoff race. And in part three, where we're going to focus ourselves for today, we're going to do a deep dive into the final of the Checker Trade Trophy at Wembley. So, part one, Andy, the Shrewsbury game. It was one of those games, wasn't it, where it was an essential win, really, for Pompey to be able to keep up in the race for automatic promotion. Um, yeah, I'd agree. If you look at the other results on the day, it was just not a day we could afford to drop points. And I know that Kenny Jacket came out and gave a target of how many wins out of the last last nine or ten games. Um, all you can do is is win the games in front of you and try not to worry about the teams around you. But with if Luton, Barnsley, Sunderland, and Charlton are all picking up points, which they seem to be most weeks at the moment, yeah. Um, I think we're the only only team out of the four of us who have lost in the last few in the last four or five games. Um, we just can't afford to be dropping points. So, yeah, it was one of those banana skins i guess an away game yeah. um although obviously we tend to be fairly good away from home but a banana skin game away against a team nearer the bottom of the league um, yeah i mean shrewsbury actually surprisingly good defensively i mean by by expected goal stats and um, don't know if you're into your advanced stats andy but um <laughs> shrewsbury actually suppress a lot of shots um, okay 
they're actually surprising that they're so far down the table. I think they're sixth best at suppressing shots in the league or something like that. Um, so really, they should be doing a lot better than they are. So mm. it's one of those ones that could be a banana skin because the team could just step up and play to their potential. Exactly, yeah. I think it was just, yeah, one of those must-win games. It doesn't need to be spectacular, but that three points at the end of the season could be, you know, the difference, hopefully, between automatics and not automatics. Or it could yeah. be the difference between playing someone like Sunderland or Charlton in the semi-finals of the playoff. So, yeah, at the end of the season, it could be a big three points. I think potentially as importantly as um, obviously had a bit of a, a, a hole to fill since Thompson went back. And yeah, that's been that's been talked to death by a lot of people. But um, it looks like Ben Close is, you know, stepping up to being a, a genuinely good League One midfielder now, whereas... Alongside Thompson, I thought that you could see who the you know the higher quality player was, but close. Yeah, he's one hundred percent pulling his weight. He's started to get on the goal sheet uh, on the on the score sheet even more, which is good to see. And I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Pittman playing behind Bogle as well, starting no, rather than absolutely, Norkins. absolutely. So, so it's I. good to see that firing and working. No, it is, and I mean the game started, didn't it, with. What I'd like to see is a spectacular save from Craig McGilvery. Mm. Um, he, he gets down, doesn't he, with a really strong right hand. Um, the ball gum comes into the box, and it's a decent shot from, uh, I think it's the, the number seven. I can't remember uh, his name off the top of my head. But McGilvery gets down really, really well and gets a really strong hand to stop Pompey falling behind. Do you think mm. that's important for us to, to not let an early goal in like that? Oh, 100%. The thing is, with the way that a lot of teams set up against us, either home or away, is if they can nick that that early goal or they if they go one up and then just put 10 or 11 behind the ball, it's so hard to break teams down um, if they are just playing to protect a one-goal lead. Uh, yeah, McGilvray has saved us a decent number of points this season. I think potentially more than he's getting credit for. I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke McGee and I thought he did a, a pretty damn good job last season. But I do think you can see a difference in terms of confidence and command of the area from McGilvray. Yeah, for uh, sure. And he just fills you with, yeah, fills you with confidence when he's, as a shot stopper, I think he's improving um, under crosses. I thought when he first turned up, potentially a tiny bit suspect, if I'm being overly critical. Yeah. But he just looks solid now and he's kept us in a few games recently with some really good saves. Um, but yeah, not not going one goal down in this sort of game where the home team can then shut up shop is is so important. And if we can get that first goal... It forces the other team to to open up and chase the game, which again plays to our strength when you've got, say, when they're fully fit, you've got Lowe and uh, Curtis on opposite wings. If they get a bit more space to run into and other teams can't double up on them, then it just makes our life so much easier. So, yeah, no. keeping keeping the score level at an early stage like that was, yeah, crucial. No, it definitely was. And I think we can look back at other key games, can't we? Like the Bristol Rovers away game mm. where McGilvery's pulled that save off and again saved us those points or won mm. us those points. I don't think we've had a clutch goalkeeper like that maybe since David James or yeah, before I, that. Yeah. I was thinking that a minute ago, yeah, in terms of genuinely feeling quite confident. I, I know that David James had a bit of a reputation at times in his career, but with us, he was, you know, generally an extremely good goalkeeper. I think McGilvray needs to do it along a slightly longer time frame to get that comparison. Um, For sure. Yeah, I I agree that compared to the standard of keeper we've had in the years since, it's definitely noticeable. I mean, again, Ford was a good League Two shot stopper. Um, Is is he at Cambridge now, I think? So he's gone back Mm. in League Two. Yeah. 
for a reason. If I don't, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you know, League Two players are of a League Two standard, and he did a good job. But you can see the the increase in well, in class. I guess it's just another level up, as far as I'm concerned. McGilvray against someone like Ford, um, or against I can't even remember the the keeper who joined us from Forest on loan for one well, game. Uh, and got injured. I can't remember his Steve, name. Uh, Henderson, is it? Henderson, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Where obviously, he didn't. He didn't get a chance to really prove himself before pulling a muscle and going back to his parent club. And it's, yeah, it's just nice to have a a fairly settled back four really when Thompson's fit. And I know people have given Lee Brown a bit of bit of grief recently over the last last few games, but the back four of Brown, Clark, Burgess, and Thompson, even without uh, Watmore being fit. It's just quite settled having them alongside McGilvray. You just feel fairly reassured, yeah. especially in the last few games uh, when mm. Burgess has obviously stepped up his performances as well. Yeah, massively. And I, I just kind of thinking back to I think you've missed out though a Pompey legendary goalkeeper there, um, Andy. Obviously, <laughs> there's another one in League One, isn't there? Who maybe we should have kept hold of. You know, um, Oxford. I want to hear about if you listen to you know the podcast, uh, the D three D four podcast. Um, I know the guy who hosts that, James, he's a big Oxford fan and he's always raving about how Simon Eastwood's kept them in games. Mm, well, yeah. I Do you miss his kicking ability? Sorry? Do you miss his kicking ability? Again, I don't... I'm not going to criticise what we've got at the moment, to be honest with you. I like... Um, I feel like... Well, I think... But yeah, Eastwood, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I didn't know whether you were being no, serious or not. I didn't I've want to be complete, offensive to no, you. No, that's good, mate. I've got a completely <laughs> sarky sense of humour. So yeah, no, that's all right. That works. Yeah, Simon Eastwood was great. <laughs> Extremely completely. If he, if he was a rugby player, he'd be finding touch well, wouldn't he, from goal kicks? Exactly. But I think the way, in terms of distribution, the way that Pompey line up from goal kicks, you can tell which way the ball's going to go before, you know, the whistle's even blown. It's just, it's all training ground and all lining up on one side of the pitch pretty much but yeah I've uh, I've recently joined a place of work with someone who used to work at Oxford United who said said pretty similar about uh, about Eastwood well do you know what I'm sure he's a lovely guy and I'm I'm glad that he's found somewhere you know in league one as well where he's appreciated mm. because um yeah and not not at Pompey basically so mm. yeah fair play to the bloke but I'm glad he's not playing for us anyway I'm sure <laughs> you know he's going to you know he's going to save them uh, you know a point or three points next time they come down to Fratton Park now but no no I, <laughs> no I said that yeah yeah and someone's going to tip him off on an Oxford United forum who's like you, know, <laughs> you get you get the odd fan who listens to this and goes actually Hugh I don't think that's true from another point of view so maybe we'll maybe we'll get Simon Eastwood um tweeting at us saying that he's actually a lot more quality than we give him give him credit for but well, to be honest if you get to that standard of football in league one league two you're obviously a decent player but yeah it doesn't sure. you know you're setting yourself up to have the piss taken out of you a little bit if you're playing in front of 20,000 people every week people are going to take shots aren't they <laughs> yeah you've just got to go kick the ball straight mate if you can kick the ball forward and straight I'll be happy <laughs> I'm looking at the at the back four. Um, I know Lee Brown's come under a bit of criticism, and everyone will know that my my opinion on Lee Brown that I think you know he's class, and I think that the extra width he gives us and the, the understanding he has, especially with Ronan Curtis and the quality of ball he puts into the box, I think is outstanding. Mm. I think that if we had someone like I don't know, say Walks or or Thompson, who depending on who you prefer on the right hand side, putting those sort of quality balls in on Jamal Lowe's wing would probably be a bigger threat than we are now. Do you think that's... Yeah, I mean, I was I guested on a, a Bristol Rovers podcast just before we played them, and the the was vibe it, I it, got was it, was it the Gascast one? Yeah, Gascast, it was. Yeah, yeah. Sense, yeah. 
um, and the the vibe I got from from the from Max, the host there, is that they were quite surprised that Lee Brown has come to Pompey and walked into the first team. They they love him because he was there for you know, he played almost three hundred games for them, I think. But yeah. they were surprised he'd come to Pompey and been first choice, which I thought was interesting. Okay. But um, I agree in terms of his delivery to the box, it's it's extremely threatening. But I think people have given him a bit a bit of grief because of the fact he's having to or he is playing to the game plan he's given so he is playing a, you know long balls forward from his own third of the pitch that a lot of the time aren't reaching the destination he's getting a bit of grief from it from people but i think you can see a difference in the quality of crossing from him and again i'm i'm team thompson rather than team walks i'd rather have thompson in my starting 11 every day of the week uh-huh. um but i feel like when you see walks cross the ball again probably a generalization i'm sure people can find examples that are an exception to this the walks crosses seem to be floated they seem to be you know higher give the keeper more time to come out and claim them yeah whereas someone like thompson or brown i feel they get more pace more whip on the ball personally no i agree Um, i I think that especially lee brown i'd say i think i think thompson is still doing a bit of work on his delivery um i think the brown's balls are always in that dangerous area the goalkeepers don't know whether to come for it or to Mm. stay and you know behind a defender um and you know i think that we, you know, we're quite lucky getting that sort of service from left back. Well, we were talking about Lee Brown playing the ball out. Um, I've noticed that we've stopped doing it quite as much. The long mm-hmm. ball, I'd say, from defence. Um, I mentioned in the last podcast that the news had that article that we play long balls with second most. Um, we play the long ball second most, basically, in a division, only mm-hmm. after South End. But I've, I've noticed that um, our stats have started to decline on the amount of long balls you play, which is interesting. Yeah, well, I think in the... Was it was it the last uh, was it Scunthorpe at home? Our last game where the wind yeah. was absolutely ridiculous, and they were kind of forced into it to a certain extent because yeah. long ball football just wouldn't have worked for forty five minutes because you'd never get out of your half. Um, and yeah, it obviously went pretty successfully. And they played well. The first uh, forty five minutes against South End was quite attractive football as well. Obviously, mm. we won't talk about the second half of that game, but oh, when yeah. when they have got the ball down on the deck, we've got technically enough players now that we can play that way successfully. Whereas maybe at the start of the season, Jacket didn't think that our players were technically gifted enough to do that. I'm not sure. Or if he just preferred the, the long ball four, two, three, one, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's been successful recently. Yeah, I mean, I think he sort of feels that, you know, when it was working very well, wasn't it, with Hawkins at the start mm. of the season? And when you had like Lowe and Curtis playing those, you know, getting into that space in behind and it was it was sort of working in a grinding out, in a grinding of the wins that way, wasn't it? Mm. And I think, but I think he has, well, my opinion on the formation is that, you know, I still quite like the 4-3-3 we play against Barnsley, for instance. Mm. However, at the moment, with the resurgence of Pittman, should we say, in that number 10 role, which I never thought I'd say. You know, I've, I've been quite openly critical of Brett Pittman playing mm. up front um, on the podcast. But it's, you know, it is good to see him come and collect the ball. I think that he demands the ball a bit more in that position. And the players, as he's captain and has that presence, give him the ball more rather than necessarily going over his head to the striker. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a very astute point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um He's not a player that you could ever say doesn't want the ball. He doesn't hide from it. Um, it was it's was just so noticeable on a football pitch when someone does or doesn't really want the ball. It was a few weeks ago, uh, the game where Bogle missed the penalty and, and he had a niggle as well. And I think we used all our subs and you could just tell as soon as he missed the penalty, I he know. was you know hiding from the ball, didn't particularly want it, getting in positions where... He looked he fed up, didn't he? He did. And I, I, 
I, he's been fantastic for us. Again, I'm yeah. not the sort of person who comes on the podcast and slates players. I think he's been brilliant. But for that 30, 35 minutes or so before he came, I think he came off eventually um, with a niggle. But you could just tell that he didn't want the ball. Whereas with Pittman, again, it's it's like him and Curtis. They both just always want the ball. And if they don't get the ball, there's like a tantrum or just you can tell they're irritated that they haven't got it. So, yeah, putting him there slightly deeper to to pick up the ball and turn and either run at the defence or um, link up with Lowe or Curtis or Evans or, or Bogle. Yeah. It just, yeah, I, I agree with you that it just reduces the likelihood of us playing that long ball over his head. And I just think that, I think that's what some of our wingers need as well, because um, you know, you watch the likes of Lowe or I'm sort of like a Viv Solomon at a bar or whoever it is. Yeah. And you can't just be playing the ball sort of long over the over the top constantly. Mm. What you need is someone to gather the ball further up the pitch and then slot it through and use utilize their pace in the, in that sense rather than and mix it up a bit. You know, mm. add some variety to our game. Yeah, um, there have been there have been games where it's just so frustrating. Like maybe a couple of months ago, where the ball gets played up to to someone like Lowe, for example, facing away from goal, and if other teams have started either doubling well doubling up on either Lowe or Curtis. And they're facing away from goal. There's, that's not using what their their danger is. They're they're so good when they're running onto a ball slotted between uh, one sided centre back and the wing back. The ball goes between the two, and you've got Lowell Curtis running onto it and just attacking an isolated left back or an isolated right back. That's when they're at their most dangerous. If you just yeah. play the ball up to them and they're facing away from goal with you know two opposition defensive players around them, there's you can't expect them to you know, do something magical every single game. You you can't. No. No matter how much we sing it to Ronan Curtis, he can't do it all the time. I think that <laughs> I think the thing is well, I was thinking, just to go back on topics of the game, um you can see that a little bit with, with the goals we scored, can't you? And it's great to see as you were mentioning Ben Close and how he sort of is stepping up. I think it's five goals in the last ten games to Ben Close now. Um and I think it's great how he, he literally knows where the net is now, doesn't he? And he's mm. in, he's always in the right position to score. That is exactly what I was about to say, is his, his positioning. It's not a coincidence when someone like Ben Close, for instance, suddenly starts being in the right place to pick up that second ball from a, 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 in the box after a deflection or a save. or you know, his, his game sense has obviously improved. He's, he's in the right place at the right time a lot more than maybe he was this time last year, purely because he's got more experience playing football. Um, yeah, his... His, yeah, his overall awareness, I think, has really come on, which is why I'd imagine he's starting to to score goals. And again, yeah, Pittman, Pittman's goal um, against Shrewsbury was just striker's instinct, knowing where to be, give, giving um, the easy ball for a, for a tap in. You know, it's yeah, it's just yeah, match experience, which I think the squad's it's starting to pull together a bit now. Indeed, and, and that second goal, um, I think Ollie Hawkins deserves a bit of credit because that's that ball to Pittman across the box. It was weighted mm. perfectly, wasn't it, for the tapping? Mm. It's not. He doesn't always get enough credit for the work with his feet because mm. a lot of the time people play the ball up to his head. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was a, there was a stat earlier in the season that he'd won the most headers out of everyone in the league or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, Ollie Hawkins. But yeah, that's the the reputation he gets is the long high ball that he either flicks on or tries to hold up for other players. But it's easy to judge someone based on goal scoring record. But if you mix up goals, or not even assists, but goals and chances created for other players. Yeah. I think his stats would look fairly, fairly favorable. I think he's had a bit of a, a rough time of it. It's, 
whoever isn't in the starting eleven is always going to be wanted by the fans and seen as the better player. You know, so when Pittman's on the bench, he's a, according to some fans a, a ten times better player than when he's in the starting eleven. And the same for Hawkins. As soon as he's on the bench, he should be starting. It's just it's football fan mentality, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that. As much as anyone else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think the thing is that we saw that impact that, you know, everyone was Bogle, 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 you know, Hawkins, the people weren't so keen on it. And then Bogle against Shrewsbury wasn't quite working. We bring on Hawkins and bam, bam, it, you know, mm. again, it, it mixes the game up, doesn't it? And I think we actually lacked having a sort of dynamic um, alternative up front. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that now we've got Bogle firing and we've got Hawkins as well coming on, make, looking dangerous. And we'll talk about this a bit later with Sunderland, but Hawkins obviously caused them a lot of problems at the back in, in the uh, 3-1 game um, at Fratton Park. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so oh yeah, I'm pretty happy with um, with the strike force as such. And yeah, I think overall that game was, well, it was a solid win, wasn't it? When it was needed. So yeah, it was, it was what it needed to be. It was a win. It was nice to have a clean sheet. Um, and again, it's all about momentum, I think, at this point of the season. I think it's something that we'll talk about with the, the Checker Trade final as well. It's it's about momentum and you know getting getting ahead of steam going into the last what, seven games of the season or whatever it is is having that momentum to you know get a string of wins together um, and yeah. that's that's what the Shrewsbury game was it was just um, getting what, that ball rolling again. What professional segue from you, Andy, to go into momentum to go into the last so many games, which I didn't count either. Because <laughs> the, what we're going to do is we're going to go into part two in a minute and we're going to talk about the. Well, the playoff race and the potential championship winning. No, I'm joking. We'll take second place. We'll All take right. second. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's about part two. What I'm going to do, Andy, is I'm going to press the stop record button and then I'm going to start recording again purely because it makes it easier for me to edit. Okay, mate. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Welcome back to part two of the PO forecast. And Andy, it's time to do playoff watch, is what I'm calling it. I could do promotion playoff watch, but let's let's start with playoff watch. So <laughs> we're currently in third, although sort of in fourth, I'd say, because considering Sunderland have two games in hand over us. Mm. Peterborough climbing on Doncaster. They're my team that I'd like to see us play in the playoffs, if possible, to remain third. Would mm-hmm. you agree that Peterborough match up best against us? Yeah, I think so. I obviously if you are if you're managing to to finish third in the table, um you want well, yeah. If you end up being in the playoffs, you want to be playing against the team who have just scraped into the playoffs. To be honest, I don't, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference anyway because you've got to beat whoever in the final anyway. Um, it makes no difference to me whether we lose in a playoff semi or a playoff final at the end of the season if that happens. Um, I would fancy us and to get a good home result against Peterborough, Donny. That I guess those two would be my choices, but at the end of the day, even if you win that semi-final, you have to beat someone like Charlton, uh, Barnsley, or or Sunderland in the final anyway at Wembley. So I, you, it wouldn't make a massive difference to me if we lost in a semi or the final if we didn't get promoted. To be honest, you don't I, remember that. I just think Doncaster, one of those teams you really don't match up well against in a home and away series. I've never oh. seen us. I don't remember us playing particularly well against Doncaster. Yeah, our record time. against them hasn't been brilliant, has it? Um, no. I think it was, was it that game their keeper made an absolute howler last season, like let a yeah. back pass into his legs or something. But yeah. other than, that's that's the highlight from playing against them recently. That's what I mean. They just really, and they've got um, John Marquis up front, which annoyingly yeah. seems to be prolific now he plays for Doncaster. He's just one of those players that every time 
they play against Pompey, you feel like they're gonna, yeah, gonna score. But um, yeah, our, our, our track record against them isn't particularly good, is it, over the past couple of seasons? So I guess it would be nice to avoid them. But yeah. if it was a, a choice between them and Peterborough in the playoffs, you'd, you'd fancy our chances against Peterborough. I think we've had a good result against them this season. Um, in was it September, right at the start of the season, I think we turned them over away, didn't I think from from memory. Um, I think I, yeah, I, I watched the highlights of that with a Peterborough fan in, in America, which was enjoyable. Uh, Whereabouts were you in America? I was in Illinois, uh, the nice. university in in, in in Illinois. But yeah, I don't know how I found a Peterborough fan on that side of the world, but I happened to happen to bump into one. But yeah, I'd fancy our, our chances against them, especially if we can. I mean, we've got them second last game of the season. If we can get a good result against them, second last game of the season, and then have another home tie against them first leg in the playoffs, I'd. I'd fancy our chances in that semi-final for sure. Yeah, no, so would I. And I, I do think we can beat any team on our day, and I think we could get beat by them. I know people are talking about Charlton in particular as being a difficult team, as we've lost twice against them. However, I'd say the the home game against Charlton, yes, it started woefully, but it could have definitely been a different. It could have definitely been a different result if the. Well, let's be honest, the ball was out, wasn't it, for one of the goals? And I thought the refereeing in that game was particularly dreadful. I thought we could have. <laughs> Definitely have had at least one penalty, if not more. So, I don't know if you agree with me, but I would say that Charlton might not be at home, especially as difficult maybe as people are making out. Mm. I think that the the thing with League One is it's one of those divisions where anyone can beat anyone on their day within reason. Um, yeah. I think we'd be better suited against uh, Posh than we would be against against Charlton. Um, yeah, I don't know if I completely agree with you, to be honest with you, on that one. I would rather avoid them in the semi, at least. I think on a on an individual day at a neutral ground like Wembley, it's a 50-50 shot, really, isn't it, between a lot yeah. of the teams in the top half of the table. It comes down to who turns up on the day, who you know can perform on the big stage on the day. That's another reason, hopefully, that this weekend might be beneficial if it gives a lot of the team that, that first experience of playing at Wembley. So should we get to a playoff final it's not such a shock to the system or you know, it's not such a big deal to be playing your first time at Wembley. Maybe, yeah. you know, get rid of some of those nerves a little bit. But yeah, sure. yeah in the in the playoff semi, I think, yeah, I agree with you that Posh would be potentially the, the, the best shout and you'd want to avoid Doncaster or, or Sunderland, obviously. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want Barnsley either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> although I, th- I thought at Fratton Park that we they look beatable, so... Um, mm. So going on, going on to Barnsley actually, because I thought we were the better team against Barnsley at Fratton Park when I was watching the game, um, and they've got some serious issues at the moment, haven't they, with injuries? So um, Liam Lindsay, who's their centre back, who I really rate, I think he's probably their best player. Mm. Um, he's he's out for the season, I think, isn't he? Or he's at least out long term at the moment. Okay. Uh, they've got Kiefer Moore, obviously, their their prolific striker. He's mm. out for the season with a concussion and possibly a cracked skull or something really odd like that. Mm. Um, and they're one of their best central midfielders. I can't remember his name now of, of memory, but he's broken his leg in the last in two games ago. So people who listen to the podcast will know that um, I've joined a company in, in Wimbledon where I started working and I'm surrounded by Barnsley fans, which is really <laughs> fucking odd. Um, but basically, they, they're actually, they're saying they want to limp across the finish line. And I think that the game against against Walsall the other day really showed that they are limping as such. Yeah, as that a was... Team gutting wasn't it that that injury time winner that was 
big extra two points for them. That was if they hadn't scored that, they'd be two points um, above us rather than yeah rather than four, which is obviously in football terms a, a massive difference over the space of a minute of football. It's, but yeah, I mean, oh, it's huge. They're still what unbeaten in oh, probably their last five, maybe maybe more than their I last five. I think it's longer than that, but I think they've kept a clean sheet for longer than that. Um, but I do know though that Barnsley are really are dragging. So I know they drew two out of the last five, mm. um, and if you count the Walsall game as one of those wins, they're not looking they're not looking prolific at all. No, um, but when, if you're playing badly and still picking up points, then it's that's true. Kind of a team that is, if you drag yourself over the finish line, as long as you get there, um, I yeah, I think they might end up in in the playoffs. I think yeah, I think they'll end up in the playoffs. I think Luton are going to walk it because yeah. it's infuriating. They're what twenty five unbeaten and playing genuinely quite nice football to watch which is horrible to say as a, a fan of another club but they are playing or against us at least which is the I don't really watch them too much but against us they play genuinely quite attractive football which yeah. made it even, even harder to take when you're you know being played off the park um, Andy we're back it's, it's come back to us we are back we're back to life I like that okay cool yeah, no. So, um, I mean, um, I, I actually agree. I think Barnsley could definitely drop out, drop out of the race. Um, I mean, Sunderland fans I've, I've heard of are actually who I've spoken to are even admitting though that Luton have won the league, and that's mm. Sunderland fans. They're admitting. Yeah, that. I don't know how much of that is because of Sunderland's performances. Because this is this is the thing that's quite frustrating is that Sunderland have looked, they've they keep dropping behind in game. Yeah. You know, at this point in the season, they'd be basically where Luton are four or five points clear and on a, on a run. Um, but they've looked fairly beatable. They've not looked, you know, like they're running away with any games. They're no. they're con- they're going behind in quite a few games, from what I can remember of checking the scores at halftime in the Fratton end. They they've been down a goal quite a lot and come back into games. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the reasons it's been quite frustrating. We've had this run, well, or we had that run in New Year. Well, we obviously struggled to pick up points for a while because the opportunity has been there. You know, it's not like we've had two or three teams around us winning every single game and looking unbeatable. Luton have obviously done that. But, you know, as you as you've said, we've had opportunities against teams like Barnsley, you know, a few inches here or there. And we could have drawn drawn the game recently. Sunderland have looked, you know, not unbeatable. They're just dragging points out of places, uh, which makes it so frustrating that we had that run where, We've kind of fallen behind the eight ball a little bit, uh, although obviously we seem to be back back on track now to a certain extent. No, I'd say we're we're back to sort of firing on nearly all cylinders, but I think that that's one of the case of even at the start of the season we we're playing quality, but I'd still say we're firing on nearly all cylinders as well because we weren't dominating teams, were we? Even when we were getting the wins through it. So results results based business, isn't it? Yeah. Also, if you. If you play well and, and lose one nil, six months later you look back at that result. You don't necessarily remember the performance. You just see the score on a bit of paper. Um, but yeah, I think potentially for a while at the start of the season we got the rub of the green in terms of you know just the bounce of the ball or maybe a couple of refereeing decisions here or there. And then maybe things have dropped off five or ten percent for a few weeks, and it shows it shows on the score sheet. But yeah, we seem to be getting. I say we as if I'm, I'm really contributing to this, but they seem to be getting a. A bit of the mojo back, a bit of confidence back, because there was a time there where the Fratton end was not particularly pleasant place fucked to be. Off is, in a fucked few off games. is the words I'd use to describe it. 
Yeah, um, but I think that's. I think we're our own worst enemy in that respect. A lot of the time, I, I sit yeah. at the top of the Fratton end, and it's naive to think that teams don't come to Fratton Park and aim to annoy the crowd. You can see that you know teams time waste in the first half. They try and frustrate the crowd, and the the we we you know we we fall for that every single time. I mean, there's so yeah. many ex ex Pompey players are coming to play against us with with other teams. They're obviously going to be saying to the to the other players and to the management that look if you get the Pompey fan yeah I, I don't feel like we help ourselves some of the time I think we jump on the players' backs too quickly was it was it Owen Doyle who said that actually recently coming to Fratton Park yeah he said something about being booed off when we were one 0 up at half time which I don't remember ever happening and I'm fairly no. certain Pompey have never been booed off when they've been winning at half time I think he may have made that up that is but, like the- the football manager mind games thing you can do you know back in the day mm-hmm. football manager you can unsettle a team by saying yeah, something exactly. to sort of yeah you try and a, shake them put in a bid for their best player the week before the game to try and unsettle them yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah just playing those I mean, obviously kenny jacket does that kind of thing doesn't he with injured players etc who aren't actually injured um or, or are going to make a comeback you know mm-hmm. the classic christian burgess is out who will play center back and then suddenly on the day it's like oh my god he's back yeah, it was the same with, with Jamal Lowe earlier in the season, yeah. wasn't it? Where he suddenly yeah. miraculously appeared, uh, rather than being out for another two weeks. He yeah. started I mean, the match instead. Yeah, and what's funnier, again, is that we did a whole episode on this show um, talking about who would replace him. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no. yeah, we did about, probably about half an hour, I reckon, discussing it, debating it. People tweeted in, we had polls, we had like, yeah, we really got into it. And then I just sort of found myself like shaking my fist um, at a cloud, you know, like on The Simpsons, like at Kenny yeah. Jacket, just sort of like angri- angrily looking out my window, shaking my fist towards him. You got pulled in like everyone else, but it was a nice surprise yeah. when you did start the game. I was queuing oh, in Subway oh, when I saw the lineup. I was absolutely buzzing at that yeah no no it was definitely it was quality wasn't there right do you know what let's round this up here uh, i'll press stop we'll start this again and then we'll go into part three and we'll get stuck into the stuff everyone wants to listen to which is previewing the checker trade trophy sounds good cool Welcome back to part three of the PO forecast. And Andy, it's the Checker Trade Trophy final. It's the big game we've all been waiting for. Well, sort of. And let's go into it, mate. Sunderland, they're a tough team. They're taking this extremely seriously. I don't know if you've seen their um, any of their social media feed, but it's almost like they've made it to the Champions League final, which is really odd considering their sort of supremacy complex, we say, that they've got in this league. What a reaction day to this podcast for them. Yeah. Um, I think for a club like Sunderland, it'll be nice if they, well, no, it wouldn't be nice. They want to win some silverware to actually yeah, have something sure. to go into the trophy cabinet. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a difficult game, isn't it? You look at the money that's been thrown around. I know we get accused of that, but there's, you know, it's another level, isn't it, really? If you look at the potential for, uh, for Will Grigg, for example, in the future, the potential um, fee for him. And you look at some of the players they've got, like, you know, uh, is it George Honeyman who, um, yeah. McGeady, they've got genuinely, well, players who have played at a much or at a higher standard than League One. Uh, people at League Catamol as well, obviously getting on a bit, but they've got uh, some big names in there potentially compared to us, but there's no reason we can't turn them over in the final. We've what, beat them at home earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, 
no reason it can't happen again. But I don't know if you saw today that their merchandise that uh, they've released for the the checker trade final. I know that yeah. some of ours is slightly cringeworthy, but they've released a range of of novelty mugs. It's so, so good. fucking funny, isn't it? They've got I cheesy mean, chips on. It's it's what it's is really, that about? Really northern. I just think is cheesy chips actually a Sunderland thing. I know. I thought chips and gravy. Chips and gravy is a northern yeah. thing, right? Cheesy chips. Uh, I well, I've just moved from Winchester to Oxford, and we we have cheesy chips here after a night out. So I don't yeah. think that's a northern thing. Chips and gravy, maybe, but it's, it's very random. No cheesy chips. I went to university in Loughborough in the Midlands, and everyone had mm. cheesy chips everywhere. So I think it's a student thing that they just sort of <laughs> take it. Maybe maybe it's a, a lack of culture. They're just sort of trying to steal some of our more upmarket culture. Ah, you're you're firing shots all over the place, you. Yeah, quite possibly, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll just I'll, either I'll, way. Why would you put it on a mug? And I'm pretty sure I, I, I clicked <laughs> on the I clicked on their tweet about it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure one of their fans commented that the picture of the cheesy chips was actually upside down on the mug. I love that. It's, that it's, is... it's seeing about from both sides. I think it's slightly cringy. Both teams are making, you know, check a trade trophy t-shirts and hats and mugs. It's really cringy, isn't it? And I know. I know I've um, just been started this giving a bit of um, a bit of stick to Sunderland. Um, I actually um, have a bit of a lot of respect for their media team, for instance. I know Connor Bromley, who's the head up broker report and now um, is their media officer. So um, maybe I'll pop him a message and explain that he could do some work with his mugs. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, he could certainly uh, have some input there to improve that side of the the club <laughs> yeah definitely well, I'll DM him after the show and, and point that out to him but yeah no I'm um, so talking about um getting some Sunderland input let's get let's start there um we're gonna start with some Sunderland input on who they think is our players to watch then we'll go through um our kind listeners have sent in some you know some bits and bobs like who they think is going to start and we can unpick their opinions and see what they think sounds good to me cool so um I've just done an article for Roker Report they just wanted a, a Pompey opinion I suppose or previewing it I'm sure that'll be out by the time people listen to it so check it out I'll tweet it out but um I spoke to Rory there uh Rory Fallow who is one of the writers and asked his opinion on who Pompey should be looking out for so he says obviously Aidan McGeady is the obvious standout given the level he's played in the past he'll be relishing the occasion He's clutch. I'm sure I don't need to go into the deadly nature of Will Grigg when he gets in front of goal. Away from the obvious two shouts, Luke O'Neill has been in great form, so we should watch out for him. He's been uh, reinvented as a right-back. And Grant uh, Ledbitter has been superb since returning to Wearside and is constantly looking a class above. And Lee Catamore is now a goal machine, apparently. Who would have thought it? So their their danger men is half their side then, is it? Yeah, yeah. They right. they seem to be they seem to be flying about it, don't they? Like, who's <laughs> playing well for them? You, I just, mean, you just listed their entire right hand side of the, the team. We yeah, don't need Catamol and McGeady. And striker. <laughs> and striker. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, yeah. McGeady is, is class, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's he's a he's a player that will just pop up and score a goal. In almost mm-hmm. almost in a sort of a lot more experience, but in a sort of Ronan Curtis way. And not just saying that because I think he's Irish as well, isn't he? Is he okay? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm also Irish, so I can get away with saying that. But yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's one of my one of my brethren. But the fact is that I think that McGeady's one of those players, like Ronan Curtis, that can really sort of step up and just get a goal when you don't expect it. A bit like, yeah, yeah, a bit like just something out of nothing. You know, if, That's if it's right. a it's a bit of a drab game and you just need that one spark, you'd say that there are quite a few players in that Sunderland lineup who are capable of that. Obviously, we have to hope that they don't do that on Sunday, but. You look at the names in the side, and even yeah, you have to admit that they're a good, 
a good side individually. Whether they turn up on a day, we'll see. But they've got names in there who have proved themselves at, at a higher standard than League One. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't deny that. You've just got to hope that we're able to nullify the threat um, on the day. And let's let's look at the um, the midfielders they got. I think this could be a really key battle for us. We've we've really talked about uh, Ben Close and how integral he is in in the midfield now for Pompey. And obviously you've got the portents of Tom Naylor as well. Mm. Well, so you look when you look at Sunderland, they've got um, Ledbitter who really does the passing for them in the centre of midfield as well. Um, he really gets the ball moving. Mm. Uh, whilst you've got Catamol there, who's that sort of like Tom Naylor style, heavy, heavy tackling midfielder, um, who's who really will sort of try and put his stamp on the game. I could see that being a bit of a battle between the two, and maybe it could be quite important to who wins the game, who wins that battle, really. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, they, I don't, I don't think I'm wrong. They, they quite like lining up in a in a four-two-three-one sort of shape as well. Yeah, so that battle of the midfield is going to be... But it is a 4-2-3-1, effectively, I'd say. Yeah. So it's going to... Yeah, that battle for the midfield is going to be absolutely <laughs> crucial in terms of getting service to, to the, the front man. Um, again, yeah, it's... We haven't actually touched on, on Naley yet, have we? I think he's, again, one of those players that has come in and, and, and basically done what is expected of him or what's been asked of him alongside Ben Close. He probably hasn't got the, the plaudits that Close has got. Um in the, last, in the last few weeks, exactly, yeah, less flash does, you know, it does the, the, the dirty fouls that need to be made if a team's on the break, not afraid yeah. of getting his hands a bit dirty, um, which again is what you need for, for years we were that, that nice Pompey team full of youngsters who just got run over by more <laughs> physical, unpleasant teams we played against yeah. while we were free falling through the leagues. So it's quite nice to have players who are now giving it out a bit, I suppose. I think that's one of the reasons that Ronan Curtis is so popular is because he gives it out and we had years of being run over by big physical teams. We need when some we were players, play. don't we? we need exactly, yeah. Players. Yeah, let's spark up a little bit. Exactly, and players that really want it. So, I mean, was it the Scunthorpe game where, where Curtis uh, felt like he should have scored or felt that the ball had crossed the line and then we scored the rebound and everyone went to celebrate <laughs> except Curtis who was sulking by himself on the other side of the pitch. It's yeah. players that just want to score and just, yeah. It's that desire that you want to see on the pitch. So, it's yeah, it's nice to have that. Level. Sorry? It's that compete level as well, isn't it? That sort of desire and that what makes you sort of go that extra mile. That Ronan Curtis has that sort of extra competitive compete level. And if, and if he does return to the team, which we'll talk about in a minute, it, it will be that drive that helps him get back fit, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. But, yeah, bringing him back to Naylor, I think Naylor is a, a similar sort of aggy, sort of lots of very niggly player. Which is what we're going to need yeah. to, to try and control that that midfield on on Sunday. I mean, I know that um, when I was chatting to some Sunderland fans and the guys at Rigger Report, I think it's funny that um, some of them were saying about Catamol stamping his authority on the team. Do you think? He, I think he could be a risk possibly for a red card in this game. It's yeah. When you mentioned him earlier, when you were talking about their their threat players, that is exactly what came into my head. He's one of those players that is slightly hot headed. Um, yeah. And again, they they may well be saying the same thing about about um, Naylor or about Curtis again we'll talk about him in a minute but there are players you can target and try and wind up and I'd say that he would be the, the obvious standout on the Sunderland side of things that you'd want to get a couple of niggly challenges in on early on try and wind him up get him yeah get him wound up and making mistakes that would be that would be ideal um, he's probably the player you'd pick out of that lineup. Yeah, he'd be def- targetable in that way yeah definitely and I, I think 
winning that ball in the midfield, if we can do that and then retain possession, because Wembley's a massive pitch as well. Mm. We've got to remember this, that when you look at who we're going to play, we really want to be playing players with, who are quite athletic. Mm. And I think that Naylor has definitely got that edge over Catamore in that sense about being able to get around the pitch. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's a slightly smaller unit, isn't he? But just yeah. does the same job. Yeah, Catamore's yeah, like having some sort of like big old cow instead of a horse sort of thing, like bumbling <laughs> around the pitch. Yeah, just like a barging machine, yeah. yeah that's exactly. it, just sort of bumping into things. Isn't... Straight down the middle. That's it. Apparently he's a goal machine now, according so you know, I'll take Rory at his word, he's a good writer, so maybe he's got, <laughs> got maybe he's got a goal or two in him. Is that um, mostly from set pieces, I'm assuming, or is he just bombing it down the middle of the pitch and getting in the right places? I think it's mainly just sort of like scissor kicks and sort of like <laughs> as volleys and you know that sort of thing. Oh, I look um, forward to that, right? Yeah, yeah, I can see that now. Sort of like a, obviously, you know, the player we're going to get who's going to score a scissor kick is going to be Lee Brown from Four Yards. Yeah, you know? they the, the the gas cast did call him a goal machine, but I think they they were being sarcastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, to them. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm completely not. I mean, as as listeners to the show will know, that I've, I've been putting a couple of pounds on Lee Brown to score weekly, um, and I actually got per cashed out when he scored that goal. Did that not get given as an own goal in the end? That nope. Skybeck paid me out of it. Beautiful, awesome. Yeah, they paid out, which is great because it was like fifty I've, to one. <laughs> I've got a friend who does the same on um, Christian Burgess every single week. Shoves a quid on. I've done that the last couple of weeks as well. Hasn't, he hasn't was come in for a while. To one. 75, 75 to 1. Yeah, yeah, 75 to 1. Not that we're betting podcasts, so we won't babble on about it. But the fact is, yeah, is that it's not a bad shout. And uh, Lee Brown has told me it's coming, apparently. So he keeps he keeps saying that it's coming, it's coming, Hugh, you know. So I'm going to keep the faith and possibly... And when it does final. come, yeah. when it does come, it's going to be bloody massive. <laughs> what what better place to do it than a Wembley final, right? That's it. I'm yeah. I'm sold. People, I'm gonna. I'll post this on Twitter. I'll show you my investment of five pounds on Lee Brown. Um, I might do a score any time to keep it more exciting, um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Lee Brown to score any time and Pompey to win in ninety minutes. That's a, okay. a strong best bet. That is okay. I'm I'm all over it. Okay. I promise you, Andy. Now I'll, I'll put this out of there. And um, tomorrow morning I'll be straight on and I'll be I'll be placing that bet. Tell you what, if I pick that for you, do you want to pick one out for me? Okay, all for right. A, the same wager. Okay, okay sure. So, are you, are you feeling a, a Christian Burgess like your friend? Uh, it hasn't gone too well for my friend in the past. So, would you like me to be more kind to you and go Nathan Thompson? I'd take Thompson or Clark. I think as, as I any time goal scorer. I mean, I think Clark's cheating a little bit. I think that's. Okay. <laughs> I think I think Clark's under about twenty-five to one. I think he's got like six okay. goals this season, isn't he? Okay, fair enough. Um, in which case, all right, I'll go. Yeah, we'll go with your other one then. Nathan Thompson anytime and Pompey to win in 90 minutes. Okay. No, I'll chuck a fiver on that. Nice one. We'll post it up on, on the PO forecast and Pompey News now Twitter. I and think it's... Everyone can see us lose £10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be the left back versus right back challenge. <laughs> yeah. And then we probably won't score. It'll go to penalties or something and we'll both lose out. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to see if I can try and get Lee Brown on the podcast, by the way. So um, if I can get him on the podcast, then, you know, maybe we could ask for our £2.50 back each. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Maybe okay, just... yeah, let's, let's take 50% of each other's action. That works. That's right, yeah. 50% of the responsibility sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds um, good. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, so looking at looking at how we're going to line up to the... Um, obviously, we can't actually predict if... Um, 
if Ronan Curtis is going to be fit, especially with Kenny Jackett's record on on uh, naming you know injuries and stuff. But he is back in training, isn't he? So, do you feel like he's going to start? I mean, I know it's a weird question. It's only a, it's only really a feeling you get, isn't it? It's, there's no evidence really. I've not seen Andrew Moon or anyone. Um, I don't think he st- he'll start. I think he'll be on the bench, and I think he'll come on the sixty fifth, seventieth minute. Yeah. And then cause havoc in the last twenty. That's my prediction. I, like I don't that. think he's he's not the sort of person who's going to say to Jacket that he's not fit enough to play. Whether he's fit enough or not, he's going to claim that he's you know not in any pain. He's just going to rip think, his finger off and bandage it up. Yeah, exactly. Just put it on ice until after the game, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think he'll play a part in the game. That's that's. <coughs> I have no evidence to back that up in the slightest, but that's my hunch. So do you do you have a feeling that you think that um, do you think Evans will start? Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Lowe on one wing and Evans on the other. I mean, I think that's what we started with uh, against Shrewsbury from memory, with Evans on the right, Lowe on the left, I think. It was, but uh, I, think, I don't think it worked too well, did it? I think we had to switch it up. Uh, hello? Hello? Hi, oh, sorry, I thought we'd gone again. No, um, I just paused once. Okay, no worries. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine we'll line up in a similar way we did against Shrewsbury. I mean, there's a, I mean, the name we haven't even mentioned so far is James Vaughan, and I don't know what's going on there because he's the, the amount of minutes he's got in total must be less than you know twenty five thirty since he joined. Um, mm-hmm. It's I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes because as far as I'm concerned, when he's come on, he's looked you know pretty decent. I think. Um, did he used to play for Sunderland or did he have some affiliation with Sunderland? I'm not sure to be honest, mate. I know he's um, had a he had a niggle recently. Was it a, a neck or a back niggle or something? He was out for a couple of games. Yeah, but has he? I don't think has he even started for us. I'm pretty sure he hasn't even started a game. No, he's never started a game. He's only come on, I think. Mm, but I think potentially, if we're chasing the game on Sunday, him and Curtis coming on for the final 20-25 could make things extremely interesting. That's that's the shout I'm putting out there. So I was right. So James Vaughan played in 2017-18. He played 23 matches for Sunderland in the Championship. Um, he got two goals and one assist and four yellow cards. Uh, it didn't set the world alight then there. No, so I think, I think it's a little bit like um, when, a, when a striker comes back to Pompey and then suddenly finds their prolific scoring boots. It might be one of those things that they all be a little bit... You know, Everyone does seem to do it against us, so it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice if it goes the other way around for once, wouldn't it? Mm, exactly. And what I'm going to do is let's have a quick look at um, some of the stuff people have actually tweeted into us. So um, cheers for, cheers again, guys, as always. Uh, James Milne says he thinks the lineup to be McGilvery, Thompson, Burgess, Clark, Brown, Close, Naylor, Lowe, Pittman, Curtis, Hawkins. Okay, so not starting Bogle. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think if, if Curtis is fit to start, he should be. Starting on 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 the wing, I'd I'd agree with that. The shout between Bogle and Hawkins is an interesting one. Um, personally, I would prefer to start with Bogle. I think on a on a pitch as spacious as Wembley, you want someone who is partic- like who's good at running into space, better on the ball. Yeah. And personally, I'd say that Bogle's got more well, more tricks in his locker. He's more dangerous running at a defence with that space than Hawkins. That's just- Just his fit to start. I think, yeah, my one worry with Hawkins up up top is that if if uh, we need a plan B, 
that would just end up being long ball up to Hawkins, which which no one really wants to see. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. No, yeah, not just that I don't want my head hurting because I'm sick in the bottom tier, but I think the fact I think the fact is though as well is that Vogel really stretches the defence, doesn't he? He really exactly. he comes wide, he, he goes, he drifts the other side, and that allows Lowe to come inside as well, and really sort of. I think it's not it's not a coincidence that Jamal Lowe's got better since Bogle's played up front again and mm. found his form because he's allowed him to cut inside when Bogle drifts drifts wide and really brings the defenders with him, doesn't he? Who are, who are you know struggling to keep yeah. up with him? Exactly, um, I agree. He stretches the play Bogle really nicely, and yeah, he creates that space for other other players. I will say though that Ollie Hawkins um, played particularly well against Sunderland, um, but I would say the attributes that really trouble Sunderland at the back is a striker who has power and. Secondly, a striker who has pace. Their mm. their centre backs really struggle to deal with um, powerful, quick strikers. Mm. Um, if you put a sort of a small, nippy striker up against them, they seem to be quite good at, at covering them. But I really think the Bogle will actually be a real handful for that Sunderland back line. And I, which I don't think are. I know. I, th- I think that they're quite. Um, they're, they're, they're there to be exploited, in my opinion. And I think by us in particular, I think our style of football actually matches up fairly well against Sunderland. Mm. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I certainly think that, yeah, Bogle will be the more dangerous option in terms of, yeah, having that mixture of physicality and pace. And then Hawkins isn't a bad, um, you know, again, coming on for that last 20 minutes if you need a fresh pair of legs to, against a tired defence. I mean, he showed uh, in, in, our, in our last away game against Shrewsbury that he's... No, he can come on and and grab that grab grab that assist or whatever in the in the second half. He can be a perfectly good impact player. Um, yeah, my own personal choice would be to start Bogle. And if obviously he's, I don't know what his match fitness is like now. It obviously it wasn't great when he first came. He was getting a lot of cramp. Um, but if he can't yeah. last the full ninety, then I would I'd have Hawkins as that as that first choice to come on if you want to keep the system the same. And if the system needs changing, you can always bring on someone like Vaughan. And I've got him up top or. Pittman up top with Vaughan behind. You've got a bit of a bit of uh, a wiggle room there in terms of options. Yeah, depending no, if you I, want to change the system or not. I agree, and it seems people seem to have a fifty-fifty point of view on this. Jeff Harris says, "For me, Hawkins comes on if we're two 0 down and we're chasing the game. With Hawkins and Pittman playing together, you have the wingers on fire. It gives you pace." What do you think? Uh, I think that. If you're 2-0 down and we spring on Hawkins and then start playing that long ball, I think it may well be effective. I might get shown to be completely wrong here. But I don't think it's what the crowd will appreciate if we're 2-0 down and chasing the game. If we're chasing the game, they want to see that fast, fast-paced, um, on the floor, uh, yeah. trying to get balls in behind to the wingers to run at the, the, the opposition defence. If you're chasing the game and try and create some, create some gaps... Um, in terms of effectiveness, uh, your your uh, tweeter may well be may well be correct. Um, are you obviously, afraid we're, we're not going to go two nil down? So <laughs> yeah, are you afraid that the game will fizzle out a bit if we just bring do that and start playing long ball, and then suddenly ten minutes goes past, nothing's happened, and we lose yeah, two now? I, I just think that 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 tactic, if if a team is defending the game, I think it's it's not difficult to nullify that threat, as has been shown in games in the past where we've. You know, gone a goal down and just tried that long ball tactic, and it, it, it can be an effective tactic if there's space up there for the players to run into who are playing off that lone striker. But if the team are keeping the vast majority of their players back in their half or in their final third, the odds of us winning the second ball when it's 
brought down by that striker, uh, you know, slim, and there isn't, there isn't the space to play that style of football, I don't think. No, but, I agree. I agree. Um, Chris, quickly, um, this is an interesting one. Um, Jack Hancock tweeted in saying he thinks we'll play McGilvery, Walks, Burgess, Clark, Brown, Close, Naylor, Lowe, Pittman, Dennis, and Bogle. Interesting. Um, does, does Dennis have any chance of making the starting lineup? I don't know what's going on there. When he, again, he's one of these players. When he's played, I think he's looked good. I think he's looked Same. of the standard needed of him. I, mean, I don't really see what he's done wrong, whether it's something in, in training or... I, to be honest, I wouldn't even want to speculate because I, I would just be uh, making ideas up. But I would not mind him uh, being given the game time. And obviously, the, the, the squad or the team of players who have worked through the earlier stages of this tournament are not necessarily the players who are going to line up on Sunday. And yeah. it'd be nice to see Dennis get some sort of reward for for his efforts in the earlier rounds. Uh, in terms of walks versus Thompson, as I said earlier, I'd rather have Thompson there any day of the week. Defensively, walks doesn't fill me with confidence at all. Um, I'd rather I'm, have Thompson there. I'm going to disagree because I think that, uh, and certainly more recently, Thompson's possession stats are poor. Um, he's been giving the ball away a lot. Um, and the only thing that keeps that is inflating his possession stats a lot are the fact he wins a fair amount of free kicks. Um, <laughs> With the, the, the Pittman school of swan dive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I think that, I don't know what it is, but since the, the talk about his contract being up or, you know, maybe not re-signing, mm. he looks a bit more rattled on the ball. He, he, he He's pressing up when he doesn't need to. Um, and he, he's trying to force that pass for me a little bit more. He doesn't quite look like the same steady player that he was earlier in the season. Yeah, potentially a fair comment. I, the, the timing of the whole contract uh, discussion was very, very strange. Um, I don't know how much that's affected his game. In terms of giving the ball away, in that right-back position, whether whether it's Thompson or Walks, we always talk about it at, uh, during the game, uh, games at Fratton, is that nine times out of ten you know what ball it's going to be played out from the left-back or the right-back position. You can normally narrow it down to one or two balls that repeatedly get played. Um, it should go short to Naylor. That's what it should do. Or someone else to come collect the ball, give an option. But more often than not, it goes you know, aerial no, or slightly no. aerial other line yeah. towards one of the wingers or gets passed back to the centre-back who then does pretty much the same, the same thing unless Matt Clark decides to... Um, bring it out of defence and down the middle of the pitch, but um, I don't know. My, again, this is it's a game of opinions. I'd sure. I'd rather have Thompson starting over Walks. You can you can throw stats at me all you want, but I I don't. Know, it's my gut feeling. I I feel more confident when Thompson's on the ball. I feel like you you might think he looks less solid, but I think he's got fewer mistakes in him than Walks does. Um, and in terms of attacking attacking prowess, if you gave me the choice of you know 90th minute. Either Thompson or Walks is running down the right wing and needs to put in a decent ball to someone who's free on the edge of the six-yard box. I'd I'd back Thompson to make that pass over Walks personally, but again, it's a game of opinions. True. I mean, I, I'd probably say that I I would bet on Walks to finish over Thompson. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just, it's interesting because I think he's actually got a, a better ball in him. I think he just needs to mature as a younger player and to what, sort of. Walks, um, you mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, as I said before in the podcast, um, when we originally got him from Atlanta, I spoke to the commentators from Atlanta, uh, Jason, you know, those mm. guys, friends of the show. 
And they're saying that he's very much a developing player in the fact that he couldn't put a ball in the box and he didn't know how to track back, but he had that raw talent to him. I think he's he's working on that. Uh, mm. I think he'll I think he'll become a better player uh, as as he get, as he gets on. But I do, I do think his his natural finishing ability is better than than Thompson. So um, we'll see how that goes, really, mate. To be honest, but just just having a look at this one, I think you'll like this, mate. Matt at, at Pragmatic Frog says that I think Bogle will start ahead of Hawkins, but I'd like to see more of the Hawkman. <laughs> love the <laughs> love the Twitter handle to start with. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, again, I, as I said previously, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's it's nice. I, I'd prefer to see Bogle start. I think he's the the greater threat uh, in general open play. But um, I definitely think that Hawkins has got a, a place in the, the, the match day squad. I'm, has anyone, you see, have, you heard, have you heard anyone call Hawkins the Hawkman? I, I haven't. Because um, I love that. I think... It, I'd love it to catch on. Uh, so, I'll start. I'll start spreading it around around my yeah, group of, of yeah, fans it, and it see should, what we can do. It should be like a superhero name. You can see it now, can't you, Hawkman? Just like ripping <laughs> his shirt off. Coming up on the big screen when he scores. Yeah, just with, that, with that animation. Diving header to win the to win the competition. <laughs> Hawkman, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Um, and then just a few shout outs basically we'll talk about um, I like the way that some people I've known it was saying about the podcast and it's a day late um, but they're travelling down from some places which is pretty far away um, I know Anthony Davis stuff said he's travelling down from Scotland I'm going to leave it 2 a, you know he's going to get 2am or something down tonight which is mad and not even That's just commitment. yeah and Alison Williams says that they're actually travelling down from from um, is it how do you pronounce it is it Argyle the island just off oh, the west wow. coast that's a massive commitment. Let's hope it's a, a good game. We don't get absolutely yeah. stuffed. Yeah, and Bradford Stadium <laughs> comes down from Helensborough, which is just off um, west of Dumbarton. So wow. by Loch Logan. That's a hell of a long way to come for a final, or well, yeah. for any game, to be fair. Yeah, so shout out to all you guys. Yeah, um, Matt, yeah nice one. The little round of applause. Big <laughs> one. Just they're listening in the car. So yeah, shout out to you guys. Okay. I'm just trying to think. Have we covered everything? Oh, I think where where so. to drink? Where to drink? Yes, yeah, so yeah, there are. List. I have. Yeah, so we've got Pompey <laughs> supporter zones and Sunderland supporter zones. So the the Pompey pubs before the game, we've got uh, Box Park, the Green Man, the Arch, Station Thirty One, JJ Moons, Flannery's, the Corner House, which is Mannion's, the Liquor Station, and the Copper Jug. So any of those should be full to the brim of Pompey fans. Uh, and I have no idea which one we'll be in, but we'll be there somewhere in the middle of it. Yep, uh, we will indeed, mate. And just uh, another one quickly. Um, what is your score prediction? I am going 2-1 Pompey, nice. uh, with it being one all in the 65th, 70th minute. Kenny is actually going to make a proactive substitution Really? Uh, I know. I'm, this is a really out there, a really out there prediction. I love this. Um, Progressive. And I think if Curtis doesn't start, he'll come on with twenty to go. Otherwise, someone like Vaughan or Evans will come on and either score or set up the winner with fifteen ten minutes to go, and then we'll see it out. How about yourself? I've also gone two one. I'm going to go with uh, Ben Close to take the lead. Oh, story, story um, to book. Yeah. Yep. Very yeah. Yep, yep. Equaled up, and I'm going to go with the Jamal Lowe winner. Nice. 
as the game stretches on, using his pace against... Cutting the, in from the wing and smashing it into the far that's corner. That's it. A rather slow Sunderland back line, in my opinion. Um, and I think he's got that ability just to someone hold the ball up and just pass it through and then just, just come onto it. A nice little dink. It's going to be, you know, sort of Notts County sort of-esque and we'll, we'll finish it off. We'll all invade the pitch and we'll go home happy. Sounds beautiful. I like how in our predictions, neither of us have named the goal scorers that we're actually putting money on. That's Which true. Yeah, probably means they're, true. they're not particularly good bets. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not true. Do you know what it is as well? I've also just predicted this on different things I've done. I, I think maybe we're, I am predicting you. Sorry, Lee Brown. I, I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely going to score, mate. Right? Do you know what Jamal Lowe? He's probably not going to score. It'll be it'll be Lee Brown overlapping Jamal Lowe. Lowe will set him up, and then Brown will just bury it. What it's going to be? It's going to be contentious. Lee Brown's going to play the ball through. And did, does Jamal Lowe get a touch on it or not? <laughs> and your money will just rest in the balance of, of uh, right. the dubious goals committee I like that Yeah. okay so you're, you're going Brown and close I need to change mine then I'm going Thompson and Curtis I love that let's do that let's do that I like massive that. optimism and then we're I... both going to be absolutely loaded after the game precisely and also I, 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 there's another thing I'm thinking Lee Brown definitely a great you know free kick taker like it could happen from there. Yeah, it could. I mean, yeah, there's no reason why not if he can. Uh... Will you will you be with me when if he does step up for a free kick? And anyone listening by doing the thunderclap? I mean, yeah, I think you're sat directly below me, aren't you? On the yeah. on the day, so I mean, we can see what we can get going, mate. I think I'm near the front of the top of the middle tier, and you're near yeah. the back of the bottom tier. So that's correct. Well, there, there's nine of us going, so I'll get my friends to start it off, and we'll see what we can get spreading. But yeah, um... and if anyone does listen in and and literally sees Lee Brown stepping up for an attacking attacking free kick stand up get the thunderclap going oh <laughs> oh and as he smashes it into the wall we can all just sit down again <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure definitely alright mate it's been awesome having you on the show no thank you for having me it's been nice to, to guest yeah and um, do you want to plug anything where can people find your staff or follow you on twitter uh, yeah, so they can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Andy. I think you tagged me in something earlier on uh, about this podcast. So yeah, if people follow that tweet, they can find me on there. Um, I'd also encourage people to follow the Frat and Faithful on Facebook. Uh, it's a, a large group that was founded a few years ago now that I've, I've joined in the last couple of years as, as an admin. Uh, I think we've got... Sorry? Yeah, I've, we've said I've been having anything more recently with you on that, and um, yeah, you do a superb job, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a friendly Facebook page full of Pompey fans. I think we've got just over uh, I think just over sixteen thousand uh, people who who follow us on Facebook. So it'd be really good if we could get that over the you know over the average attendance for a frat and home game. If we can push it over seventeen, eighteen thousand, that'd be grand. That'd be so grand. if people want to come and have a, a chat about Pompey news and and just talk to other people who like the same club then uh yeah give us a follow on on facebook and on twitter that'd be wonderful sweet and um obviously when i put this tweet out and we put the show out we'll tag you in andy so um it will be there to see so sounds good mate it's been awesome and uh so basically what we'll next time we'll chat hopefully we will be champions of the checker trade trophy yeah, if not in the pub beforehand. Shortly yeah. before we're champions of the Checker Trade Trophy. Yeah, oh yeah, we're say it, Checker Trade Trophy. Oh, by the way, just a quick one. Does is the Checker Trade Trophy because I was I always thought when it's the Johnson's paint trophy that it was actually some sort of paint or paint related. Is it actually a trophy? Or is it like I don't know. Do you know what the trophy looks like? 
Not a clue, mate. Uh, we'll see it on Sunday when uh, when we're lifting it. <laughs> because everyone else knows what the World Cup looks like or whatever. Uh, I just Googled it and it is an actual trophy by the look of it. Yeah, it's uh, a pr- pretty bog standard trophy. Uh, slightly bigger. Yeah, okay. I imagine the medal the medals will be slightly nicer as well. I'd imagine in Sunday League football, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see it with blue uh, blue ribbons on 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 Sunday. Okay, cool. Anyway, dude, thanks for coming to the show. No worries. Thank you for having me. Cheers, dude. All right. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.